0: morning, we do welcome you back to Alger Assembly of God, and we welcome you to the beginning of a brand new series, and it's entitled, What If? Anybody ever had one of those what if moments? What if moments tend to be where we, we look back. We look back and we say, oh, what if, or if only, if you were rooting your team on yesterday, and your team would have lost, you would have had a whole bunch of those what-if moments. What if the kicker would have made the field goal? What if there was not that interception? What if? What if? What if? For our teams, for the most part, represented today, it's the opposite team. It's it's the the teams that we defeated who are asking those what-if questions. For Ohio State Buckeye fans uh, defeating Penn State, uh, that call that they did on fourth and five, uh, I hear many people saying, what if? Are you you kidding? What kind of play is that? Many times in our minds, we, we look at our lives and we look back and we think, what if? Or if only? This isn't necessarily one of those kinds of series. It's not looking back to the past to say, what if? It's not looking back to the past to say, well, if only you would have done something different. How many of you know we can't go back to the past? We can't go and change the past, but we can change our future. We can make decisions that will impact our tomorrows and our future. So, we're gonna be looking at a number of ifs from Scripture. So, here's, here's your assignment for the next number of weeks read the entire Bible and pay particular attention to whenever you might see that word, if. It's a big assignment. But we're gonna look at a handful of if scriptures. And we'll cover a number of different topics, these what-if questions, these if-scriptures. For instance, well, what if we handled our finances God's way? What if we were to humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways? What if? There's a number of powerful if scriptures in the word of God. So that we can't change our past, we can change our future. And so what if with God's help, certain principles were developed, certain principles from the word of God were lived out? What then could we do? How then could we live? What could we become? Our goal then is to find out, as we examine some ifs. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5. We're not necessarily going to take these in order. There's a whole bunch of ifs. If you've got a concordance in your Bible, or if you've got a a digital copy of the Word of God, if you've got the the Bible app, you can simply type in if and search. It'll It'll give you hundreds. It'll give you quite a few ifs. So we're certainly not going to be able to cover all of them, but we're going to look at a handful of ifs over the next number of weeks. And there's a couple in particular. I'm reading from the New American Standard version this morning. Galatians chapter 5, first of all, in verse 18, it reads like this, but if you are led by the Spirit. And then in verse 25, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk By the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. All of those things are what Paul is writing about here. Now, Paul's not writing necessarily about, he's talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is in our lives. When you and I surrender our heart to Christ, When we are a Christian and we are made new and we're transformed by the power of God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within. This is not necessarily about the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the initial uh, evidence of speaking in other tongues. This is talking about being led and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. How can we be Spirit-led, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit? What would that look like? Would we have a Christ like conduct in our life that characterizes us as being spirit led? So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had one of those projects, maybe it's a home project, and you have attempted the project all on your own? How how many brave do it yourselfers do we have? Got a handful. At any point in time, did one of those do it yourself projects go horribly wrong? (laughs) If you raise your hand for the first one, chances are you can raise your hand for the second one. I'm I'm with you, right? You know, sometimes when we attempt something ourselves, when we try to do something ourselves, it doesn't quite work out. Well, this is an account of, of a man filling out an accident report for a claim with his insurance company. His insurance company contacted him and wanted more information. They wanted him to spell out exactly what take, uh, took place. So apparently, this is his response. He says, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information for block number three on my accident reporting form. I originally put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully, so I trust that the following detail will be sufficient. He writes this, I am an amateur radio operator, and on the day of the accident, I was working alone on the top section of my new 80-foot tower. Right off the bat, that would not be me, 80 foot in the air. I'll leave that to someone else, but he was trying it. Upon completing my work, I discovered that over the course of my several trips up the tower, I had accumulated about 300 pounds of tools and extra hardware. Rather than to carry the unneeded tools and materials down by hand, I decided to lower the items in a small barrel by using the pulley attached to the gin pool at the top of the tower. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went to the top of the tower, loaded the tools and materials into the barrel. Then I went back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a safe and slow descent of my tools, 300 pounds of tools. You will note in block 11 of the accident form that I weigh only 155 pounds. Due to my surprise of being lifted off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate of speed up the side of the tower. 80 foot tower. In the vicinity of the 40 foot level, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two du- uh, two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold on to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of tools hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of tools, the barrel now weighed approximately 20 pounds. I refer you again to my weight in block 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the tower. And in the vicinity of the 40-foot level, I met the barrel once again, this time coming up. This accounts for my two fractured ankles and lacerations of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of my tools where fortunately only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the tools, in pain, unable to stand, and watching the empty barrel 80 feet above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. (laughs) Sometimes what we think is a good deal We think it's a great idea. It's a not-so-good idea. Sometimes when we try to do everything on our own, we're not able to. And so Paul is writing to the Galatians about not doing it all on our own. Let us be led by the Spirit. Let us live according to the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit, and not do things in in and of our own strength. We talk about letting the Holy Spirit lead, the the leading of the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit, it's not so much like a pace car at the front of a Daytona 500. Sometimes that's kind of the, the, the mental picture that we get. You know, this race where these incredible vehicles that travel 200 miles an hour, you know, turn left and then turn left and then turn left again. But they go really, really fast in circles. But when they start the race and and after accidents and things, they place a pace car there. And that kind of gets them up to speed. And they follow the pace car. And at some point when they're up to speed, the pace car kind of veers off to the side and the race continues. Many times we think that this leading of the Holy Spirit is kind of like that. The Holy Spirit, we think, is, is kind of like that pace car in front of us, and we're, we're following, we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead. But unfortunately, many times, we just can't wait for the Holy Spirit to get out of the way so we can rev our engines and just go where we want to go. That's not necessarily the, the greatest picture of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. It might be apt to consider it more like a locomotive leading and pulling this train behind it. Yes, we are following alongside. We are following behind. But the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and directing. Paul's saying, let's live and be Spirit-led. Live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. So that is the question this morning. The what-if question is, what if... We truly lived Spirit-led. We talk about being Spirit-led. We talk about following the Holy Spirit. We talk about being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As a Assemblies of God denomination, a Pentecostal denomination, we believe in the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit. But what would happen if we truly were led by the Holy Spirit? So, we're going to look at a little bit more of this passage from 13 towards the end of the chapter and examine that in a little bit more detail to discover a number of things that no doubt would take place if we were truly spirit led. Let's take a look at verse 13. If we truly lived spirit led, we would serve others. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. If we were truly Spirit-led, led by the Spirit, living in accordance with the Spirit, following the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, we would serve others. Because here's here's our natural tendency. What's our natural tendency? Our natural tendency is to think about who? Yeah. Who's got two thumbs and thinks about himself? This guy, right? That, that, that's what we say, that's what we do. Our natural tendency is not to look for others' best interest. Our natural tendency is, as they say, look out for number one. We gotta look out for me, myself. My situation. Unfortunately, we can tend to be rather selfish in our lives. It starts at a young age and continues, right? What are some of the first words of a little baby, of a little child? I mean, certainly, mama and dad, dad. I mean, I think that's law. That's law that's got to be the first two. Right after those, me. My and mine. How many of you heard that a, a time or two? From children, grandchildren, <laughs> adults? Me, my, and mine. That, that's us. That, that natural inclination is not to think about others, not to serve others. It's really about self. At school, at home, and the job, what can we do to focus on and help out self? And we're, we're reinforced with this time and time and time again. You watch a, a television show, a movie, anything in, in the culture, internet, print, You name it, we're bombarded with advertising and the advertising is out to tell us why we need stuff we don't have because we've got to take care of us. You deserve it. You really need one of these? It's going to make your life better. It's all about you so this natural inclination is I'm, I'm about me and the world saying, just be about you. Who cares about anybody else? Make sure that you you're responsible for yours and, and getting yours. And it's hard to think about serving others. But Paul says, through love, serve one another when we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and our lives to lead us and we live in accordance with the Spirit and we are walking by the Spirit, as we follow His leading and His prompting, we then are going to be more apt to serve one another. We'll find ways to bless others and maybe give people heart attack in the the process to look out for others rather than self might cause some people to go, whoa, that's, that's crazy, what are you doing? A student serving others rather than all about themselves in the classroom. An employee in the workplace looking how they can serve and be a blessing to others rather than all about me, myself, and mine. A family member, you name it if we're going to be led and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, we will be individuals who will serve others. If we're truly Spirit-led, as opposed to following self, we're going to serve others. Secondly, as we continue, verses 14 and 15, if we're truly Spirit-led, what we're going to do is we would love Others. Verse 14 and 15, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. See, it's not only that we would serve one another, but that we would love one another. How many of you know there's a little bit of a difference? It's a little bit of a distinction. We might be more apt to serve one another versus loving one another. It's a little easier to do something nice for someone we don't like and then go back to not liking them and not loving them. I'm I'm doing this for you in the name of Jesus. Grumble and leave. It can be a little easier to serve to go that step further and not just do something and stop, but to love. In fact, as it says, to love your neighbor as yourself, that, that's, that's pretty high. Because we know we love ourselves quite a bit. We take care of self. We look out for self. And so not only are we just to serve others, but to love others. It's a challenge. We might put up with briefly helping somebody out, but to love them, I mean, really, Pastor Mark, do you know what they said about me? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know that face that they made when I did? We've we've got it all mapped out, right? All the stuff from the past, all the stuff from the present, all the stuff we imagine they're going to do in the future, we've got all the answers for why we can't and shouldn't and won't love someone. And yet Paul, he's writing. We've got the Old Testament that has all kinds of incredible teachings. We've got the Ten Commandments. Then Jesus writes and he talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Paul's trying to boil it down. He says, you can pretty much just say, it comes down to loving others. How are we at doing that? Well, if we're spirit-led, spirit-guided, spirit-directed, we're following his leading, we're not just going to serve others one time and stop, or, or do something nice for someone a time or two and stop. We're going to develop an attitude and a lifestyle of love for others. That includes some tough things: loving the unlovable. Like I'm going to do something, and, and you've got to promise to obey instructions now. Everybody look at me and say, "I promise." I don't hear you. Say, I promise. Put your hand in the air. Say, I promise. Follow directions. So I want you to look only at me. Do not look to your right. Do not look to your left. Do not look in front of you. Do not look behind you. Look only at me. But I want you to get in your mind a picture of someone you might consider unlovable. I know there's nobody in this place. It might be some in the family. It might be somebody at work. It might be some in the community. Eyes right here. Yes, even that person. If we're spirit-led, we're going to love the unlovable, the ones who just make it hard to reach out to them in love. Now, the hard thing for some of you might be, (laughs) which one do I pick? I know. I know. I, I saw some of you, it's like the, the wheels were spinning, and you know, are like all these options, you know, which one do I pick? But for spirit-led, if we're following the, the leading and the, the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna love even that person or even those individuals. The Holy Spirit's power and help to do so. We'll love the unlovable will love what some might consider to be the outcast. There's individuals who are not necessarily part of the group, part of the circle. Sometimes that involves you. Sometimes you're in the circle and intentionally or unintentionally excluding others from the circle. There's no qualifications here about who we love. It's not loving those who only love you Because that's pretty easy, right? I mean, when someone loves you, if a parent loves you, if a family member loves you, if a best friend loves you, if a neighbor loves you and cares about you, it's pretty easy to love and serve them back. Oh, but that individual who drives us crazy, that individual who maybe said something to you or said something about you or did this or did that, Oh, the the challenge is, how do I love, how do I care for them, how can I serve them in his love? If we're led and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, Spirit Spirit-led, we will look to do those things. Not just those who love us, but also to those, whether they're unlovable, those that are outcasts, those that make it difficult, prickly people, those that maybe make it a little bit difficult to love. Like the the cactus. You don't necessarily wrap your arms around a cactus. You don't necessarily wrap your arms around a porcupine. Maybe you've met a few of those individuals. A little prickly. A little hard to just wrap your arms around. Paul's not saying, oh well, forget them. There's a whole bunch of other people out there. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. If we're spirit-led... Even those who are outcast, even those who are unlovable, even those who have hurt us, we're going to serve. We're going to love for spirit-led. We continue. He says, if we're spirit-led, not only are we going to serve others, not only are we going to love others, Paul says, we are going to starve sin. Hmm, what do we mean by that? Take a look at 16 and following. Paul writes this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. What Paul's saying is that there's a battle going on between the flesh and the Spirit. Living in in accordance with what God desires, with what the Holy Spirit desires, now the Holy Spirit would lead us, or the flesh, what feels good, what we hope to do, want to do, desire to do in and of ourselves. He's saying there's this battle, and they're in complete opposition to each other. Represented well by the the classic cartoon representation, and I can't pick one, it's been in so many, but you've seen it, it's the classic cartoon representation of the little angel on the shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. Uh-uh. Raise your hand if you've seen something like that. I mean, they've used that for years and years and decades. I mean, some, some of the classic cartoons, they show that. Someone's, someone's making a decision. And the little angel pops up on the shoulder and says, yes, go ahead and do this. It's the good choice. It's the right choice. And the, the cartoon character is about ready to be good and, and about ready to help. And then poof, here comes the little devil on the other shoulder whispering into the ear, oh, you don't want to do that. Encouraging to do something bad, wrong. And so there's this battle and, and both voices are whispering to the cartoon character and you see that the wheels start to spin as they wonder, what decision am I going to make? Paul's saying, it's kind of like that. There's many times when we wrestle with this decision. You ever wrestle with a decision? You know that something is right and you probably should do it, but, boy, making this other decision and being wrong or doing the wrong thing, well, kind of feels good. So you're you're battling, which thing do I do? Am I gonna follow what God says, what the Word of God says, how the Holy Spirit leads? Or am I gonna go in this other direction? Many times we want to follow God, but our flesh, our own desires, our own wants, needs, lusts, whatever you call it, kind of lead us in this other direction. You can't do both. You can't have a foot over here that says, I choose to be spirit-led and I choose to follow God and then put this other foot over here and say, but I choose to do my own thing. I choose to follow the flesh. You've got to make a choice. It's one or the other. It's not both. I mean, trying to do both, I mean, that's just as crazy as being a Buckeye fan and a Team Up North fan. Just ludicrous right? You can't root for both unless one of them is playing the team that you hope to, you know, defeat. I mean, there's all those little, little little minute details that we write in. But the basic premise, you like a team, you don't like this other team, you tend to not like both. And yet, we want to try to straddle the fence. We want to do the things that please God, honor God, follow the Spirit's leading. But when it suits us, when it feels good to us, when there's other things that that seem like they would benefit us, we skip the Spirit's leading and move over here to the flesh, to what we want to do. And Paul says they're battling, they're they're warring. The flesh is against the Spirit, the Spirit's against the flesh, they're in opposition. And we, we often try to do both, but we don't succeed. Verse 18, he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But he writes these things. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Now, quick note, he has a a, a list here, and it's quite a bit. It doesn't mean that these are the only things, but he's giving a whole bunch of things that are fleshly, that are sinful, that we ought not to do. He says the deeds of the flesh are evident immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, You've got to make a choice. Are you going to follow the flesh or are you going to follow the spirit? Here's a handful of things that are fleshly, that are sinful, that we ought not to do. But isn't it interesting? And anytime you look at lists, aren't you a little intrigued? Because we look at this and we think, Oh, immorality? Yeah, there's, there's just rampant immorality and, and all kinds of relationships and, and all kinds of, of uh, situations, immorality, idolatry. Yes, those are bad. And then we read, and there's things like jealousy, envying, anger. And maybe we look at those, and, and we kind of like some of those. And, and so we say, well, well, some of those aren't too bad. I mean, you know, Paul really meant the the bad ones, you know, but but these little ones over here, they're okay. Sometimes there's there's pet sins, right? We we can be pretty good at things where the things that we don't we don't wrestle with, the challenges that, that we don't wrestle with, oh, those are big sins and bad sins, and anyone who does those is going to hell but my little sins over here that really aren't that bad, I'll just kind of keep to myself. Paul's not saying these are the only sins. He's saying here's a handful of ways that that sometimes we get caught up in the flesh, and rather than living according to the Spirit, we take part in some of these things, and it's fleshly. What he's saying is we've got to make a choice. We've got to choose godliness. We've got to choose to walk in accordance with the Holy Spirit. And that means to starve sin. Starve sin. came across this story. It's it's an old American Indian uh, tale. Kind of one of those just stories kind of passed on from generation to generation. Uh, Maybe not necessarily something that happened, although it could have, but it's one of those kind of little meaning stories that's been passed on generation to generation. Recounts the story of a chief telling a gathering of young braves about the struggle within. He says, it's kind of like two dogs or kind of like two wolves fighting with inside of us. There's one good dog, one good wolf who wants to do right. And there's another dog, another wolf inside of us that, that desires to do wrong. Sometimes the good one seems stronger and right is winning. But sometimes the bad dog, the bad wolf is stronger and so wrong is winning. The young brave asks the chief, so then which dog is going to win in the end? His response, the one that wins in the end is the one you feed. The one you feed. What are we feeding in our lives? Are we starving sin? Are we eliminating the the input of sin into our lives and feeding godliness, feeding goodness, feeding the things of the Spirit? That's what's going to build us and strengthen us in our faith. So, starve sin, choose God, choose the Spirit, choose the things of Him. Which one are you feeding? How do we feed the right one? A couple great ways certainly are the word of God and prayer. Feed our lives, feed our minds, feed our hearts with the word of God day after day after day. Read, learn, study, memorize, live it out. Get into God's word and prayer. You can ask him for help, guidance, strength. Allow him to To reveal sin in our lives, make that clean and clear and evident, and receive that godly desire of following after Him, starving the sin and following after Him. Finally, this morning, as we close out the chapter and close out our morning, if we truly were spirit-led, we're going to serve others, we're going to love others, we're going to starve sin, and we're going to produce fruit. Familiar part to the end of chapter 5 reads like this But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25 again. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. He says, if we're going to be Spirit-led, if we're going to follow the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will produce fruit. These are qualities of things that should be evident in our lives. If Christ has cleansed and saved and forgiven and we've desired to follow the leading and the nudge of the Holy Spirit, we will be developing this in our lives. Now, it's not something we can form. We can't fashion it ourselves. The Holy Spirit does that work and produces it. But we're going to be allowing the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in our lives. These aren't options to pick and choose. How many of you got picky eaters in the house? You go out to eat and something, oh, none of this, extra this, none of that, you know, uh, no salad, give me double fries. This isn't where we pick and choose and we look through the fruit of the Spirit and say, well, I'd like a double dose of love, but I don't want any of that self control because I ain't got none anyway. We don't go through and pick and choose. These are the things we say, God, would you allow this fruit to be produced, to be developed in me? I can't make it happen. I can't grow it. The Holy Spirit does it and develops it in us. It's a battle. If we are spirit-led, know that the flesh, our internal longings and desires and wants, there's a battle between the the stuff that we want to do and what God's Word says to do. There's a battle between what the Holy Spirit leads us to do Maybe where we might want to or choose to do or go or be or develop. If we are going to be spirit led individuals, what kinds of things will be developed in our lives? Number one, we're going to serve others. Number two, we're going to love others. Number three, we're going to starve sin. And number four, We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in our lives.